Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity to come together today to praise your name. Lord, we pray that no impediment would get between us and you now, Lord, as we seek you. We pray that you would place your words in my mouth, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, and that you would give us a good start to this Lent. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! So good to see you all today. Yesterday in my backyard I was doing a project. Right, I was fooling around with this stuff. What is it? PVC, that's right. And PVC is really cool before you put the glue on, right? You know, because it's kind of like building blocks or like those cool toys and stuff I used to have as when I was a kid. You can put it together and make almost anything you want. It gets significantly more complicated, though, when you put this on, doesn't it? Because that's like decision time, right? I mean, there's no messing around with it. Once you get this on there, you need to make a decision and get it done quickly. Or else what happens? you got to cut it and redo it, right? It's a pain in the neck. you got to do it all over again. It's horrible. Now, I don't know about you all, but I start out with a good plan, mostly, right? And usually my plan entails that I'm not going to get dirty. Now, I don't know about you, but when I pick up a can of this stuff, it seems like it goes almost everywhere but on the pipe. Right? I mean, I came out of this thing yesterday. My hands, I, th- I thought I was going to star in uh, Avatar or something afterwards. Right? My hands were just completely blue. It was horrible. I was covered in this stuff. And then I, I read the label, and it, nervous system depression can come out of this, which is not a good thing. <laughs> so let's consult a physician immediately uh, if irritation persists from it getting touching your skin, which I find a little terrifying. It's got a skull and crossbones on it, too which is generally not a good sign, right? But I had it all over myself, and that's how it is with me in a project. I start out thinking, I'm going to get through this nice and clean. Many a cool outfit I've owned has been ruined in that way, thinking, ah, I don't want to go get changed because I'm just going to do this real quick, and there's no way I'm going to get it dirty. And invariably, what happens? It gets dirty, like something drops, like, just remarkable catastrophe, you know, it drops and, like, flips backwards six times and then catches the hem of your pants. Right? It always happens to me. This event was no different. I ended up with blue stuff all over one of my favorite shirts. Real bummer. You'll see me wearing it later. It doesn't matter. I'll still wear it. As long as I can get out of the house in it, I'm okay. But that's how projects work for me, right? I have a plan that I'm going to get through it nice and clean and tidy. But the finished result is never like that. Sure, the project gets done, but in terms of my ending state, I'm usually covered up to my elbows in grit. Now, today is the first Sunday of Lent. And as we've been discussing, Lent is a time of fasting and self-reflection, a time when we look at our lives and our relationship with the triune God and see where that relationship stands. This season is designed to prepare us for the resurrection joy of Easter. But before resurrection, what needs to happen? Death. That's right. And Lent is that death. It is a dying to self and to the world. That's a happy way to begin a sermon, isn't it? Now, Lent is 40 days long because it reflects the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days, 
And we see that event portrayed today in our gospel passage. So what do we see in Mark? Well, it begins with Jesus coming from Nazareth in Galilee and being baptized by John in the Jordan River. And as he's coming out of the water, what happens? Right, first the heavens are what? Torn apart. It's this ridiculously awesome language, right? The heavens are torn apart. And then what comes out of the heavens? The what? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And what is it described like? Like a dove, right? It comes down from heaven. Doves are fast. Doves are erratic. Doves just, I mean, they have these dives that are just take your breath away. And the Holy Spirit comes down screaming onto Jesus. And then what happens? No, no, before he gets driven in the wilderness, something else happens. The voice, that's right. We start hearing voices. And what does the voice say? That's right. That's right. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So we see here Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. (coughs) And we see the Father's love for the Son and his pleasure with the Son. And it's good that we know that the Father is pleased with the Son because what happens next? How is he getting out in the wilderness? Driven Driven in the wilderness by who? By the Spirit of God. Now, we expect after baptism, uh, what do we usually have? We have a party and a cake right over in the fellowship hall. Jesus gets no cake here, right? He gets driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. To be what? Tempted. Tempted. For how long? Forty days. This is not the party that, he, that we would expect, right? Jesus is driven into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. Now, I love Mark because he, he spends two verses on this whole thing, right? He just kind of knocks it out, this whole temptation in the wilderness. He says, uh, he, we don't, he doesn't go into any, into any detail about what happens to Jesus in the wilderness. We know from the other gospel accounts that Jesus faced three particular temptations, but here they're not listed. So what does that mean? For Mark, he wanted to leave it open. He wanted us to know that Jesus Christ was tempted. He wanted us to understand that Jesus faced temptation and was victorious. But he doesn't want to get into detail there. That gives us the room to put ourselves in that situation as well. To imagine Jesus facing and overcoming the temptations that we experience and succumb to. Mark gives us that width to do so. And it agrees with Scripture to to extrapolate upon that. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. According to the author of Hebrews, Jesus was tempted in every way, every way possible. And he's God incarnate, right? So that means he's God in what? In the flesh, right? Which means that he's not just approaching this as God, right? Where he could just be like, ah, Satan, you know, lightning bolt for you, right? He's approaching this in his flesh, too. And in his flesh, what can he do? What does he have the potential to do? Sin. He has the potential to sin. He has the potential to completely blow this event. 
He has the potential to fail. It is there for Jesus Christ in this temptation in the wilderness. He's also getting it worse than any of us, right? Because he's out there for 40 days. Uh, Mark doesn't tell us this, but we know he's fasting, right? So he's hungry. He's been alone for 40 days. And who's tempting him? Satan. That's right. I find that I often succumb to temptation by Seth. Right? And he's not as bad as Satan is at tempting. Right? I fall for the lower, the easier things, the ones that are kind of the minor things. Jesus is being tempted by evil in the flesh. And he instead, and he chooses righteousness. He has every opportunity to fail. Or maybe just partially succeed, which is failure as well. Instead, this event passes by in two short verses. Now, we're not told explicitly in the text of Mark, but we can assume that Jesus was victorious. The other Gospels tell us that, and certainly the rest of the mission shows us, Jesus' mission shows us that he was victorious out there. He did not succumb to the temptations of Satan, and so he proved that while he is like us, because he's in flesh, he's very different. He is the new Adam. Tell me about the first Adam. Sin, right? Adam and Eve in the garden, what do they do? God says, don't eat the fruit from this tree. What do they do? Ate the fruit, right. Jesus goes out in the wilderness, is tempted by the devil. Remember, who was tempting Adam and Eve in the garden? Satan, that's right. Tempted by the same force here, the same evil angel, tempted, and yet Jesus doesn't fall for it. Jesus proves that he is forever different than the first Adam. He is starting a whole new family tree. He is able to resist the temptations of the devil. Now the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness because Jesus needed to face temptation. He needed to prove that he could withstand it. He needed to know what it meant to be tempted And we needed him to be victorious for us. The reality is that we are in battle with Satan as well. But make no mistake, we need a hero. I have that cheesy 80s song going through my head right now. I need a hero. Um, That is not helpful. (laughs) Cheesy 80s songs will not help you at this moment. Right? We need a real hero. Because our track record... Is terrible. If our salvation depends upon us, we're going to fail. We have Adam's blood coursing through our veins. And remember, Adam ate the fruit. We need a hero. We need someone to step into our lives, step into our temptation, and be victorious for us. Because in my own flesh, I might resist a temptation, and I might get through it all right, But I find that more often than not, that even in victory, it's kind of like repairing the pipes for me. Right? I might get the project done, but what if I got all over my hands? Yuck. I've got that adhesive stuck to me. I might have made it through the major temptation, but I've got it kind of stuck with me because I savored it a little bit in the process. It carries with me. I never make it through clean. I come out with some scars. 
or some adhesive stuck to me. But the lesson of the gospel is that we need Jesus Christ to fight for us because he does not get stuck in the sin. We need him to be victorious for us so that through faith in him, we can have his righteousness placed upon us because that's what he does. It's the most remarkable thing. We come to him all covered in blue adhesive and we say, Jesus, forgive me. And he places his cleanness upon us. He places his righteousness upon us like a garment so that we become clean. This season of Lent, as you seek to grow closer to the Lord, invite Jesus Christ to fight for you. It's easy in the midst of a season like Lent where we're all trying to pursue greater spiritual devotion, where we're all seeking to grow in holiness, it's easy for us to get distracted and to think that righteousness is the goal of the Christian life. That, my friends, would be sin. Righteousness is not the goal of the Christian life. The Christian life is pointed, is a life that is pointed towards dependence upon God. With that in mind, welcome Jesus Christ into your endeavors and welcome him into your temptations, for he is the only one to face them without getting blue. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you stepped into flesh, Lord God, and that you were like us, Lord, that you were human, and yet you were completely different because you chose to not succumb to temptation. Help us, Lord Christ, as we confess our sins to you, to be born again into your bloodline, a bloodline that pumps with righteousness, with faithfulness, with joy at serving the Father. Lord God, may this season of Lent not pass us by as we seek to do, uh, to let go of things in our life, Lord, but lose track of why we are doing that. May this season be a time where we grow close to you, where we submit to your will, where we lay down our lives at your feet, Lord God, where we confess our brokenness, and where, where we accept your righteousness. May this season of Lent be a time of transformation and resurrection for us, Lord God, as we die to ourselves and live to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.